0: We are, we are always trying to identify what are the super strengths of each individual staff and players. What do they bring and how do we create an environment that gives them the best opportunity to bring their strengths? Um, and I think that that's a really important piece of work. But that goes hand in hand around having very clear and unambiguous standards of behaviours and expectations of everybody within that environment. And I think that when that work is done well and when it is led from within and when people feel able to take risks, to make mistakes, to get it wrong sometimes, but to be able to learn from that, They're clear in what's expected of them. It gives a foundation for people to be able to hold each other to account and have an open and honest conversations at times around what is helpful and what is not in terms of the performance of a team.
1: Hello there and a very warm welcome or welcome back to the podcast. My name is Steve Ingham. I'm an applied scientist and leader from the world of high performance sport. And on the podcast, I explore all aspects of human performance, whether that is getting stronger, fitter, mentally more prepared, eating better, playing better, leading and coaching in different ways, but also how we perform in work individually and as teams. And the way I do that is by speaking with great scientists, practitioners, researchers, coaches, athletes, and entrepreneurs. I'm also keen to talk to people from outside of sports, people who are just interested in how we perform as humans. If you enjoy the podcast, then please do share it with friends and colleagues and be sure to subscribe. And if you want to support and champion us, then please do leave a review on iTunes. This week's guest is Dr. Kate Hayes. Now, Kate is Head of Women's Performance Psychology at the English FA. And Kate is just about as richly experienced a practitioner and leader in sports psychology as you are likely to meet. Kate has worked on the front line in Olympic sport, in particular, the sport of diving, working closely with Olympic champion Tom Daly. She's also worked in professional rugby at Harlequins RFC. And as a leader, Kate was the head of psychology at the English Institute of Sport before moving on to the FA. In this conversation, I speak to Kate about her experiences in support of the England women's team in the lead up and during the winning run at the European Championships last year. Kate shares the insights into handling the pressure, embracing the excitement and the buzz of the tournament, while also staying in control and delivering to the plan. It shares the characteristics that you should be interested in developing if you are interested in developing a winning culture, some of which are non-negotiables and some of which are created from within. Now, if you're listening in because you want to hear what went on behind the scenes for the Lionesses, I don't think you'll be disappointed. If you're tuning in to hear about what makes a successful team, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Also, if you're tuning in to hear how a great performance psychologist works, how psychology support has evolved from one-to-one behind closed doors work to on the pitch, integrated and woven into the fabric of everything a great team does, then I don't think you'll be disappointed. Kate. How are you? Great to see you
0: and yourself, Steve. I'm very well, thank you. Um, I'm enjoying the fact that the sun's shining today, alongside the frost, uh, which has been a marked improvement on the last couple of days. But um, yeah, very well, and uh, really pleased to be here. Nice to see you.
1: Oh, so so pleased and chuffed to to connect with you again after all the years these years. But um, yeah, just to maybe have a conversation, a little tap into some recent experiences, that'd be uh, fantastic. So. thank you so much for for coming on um, right so let's start off with euro final Fi- whistle goes for full time where's your head at
0: <laughs> Just thinking back to those moments it's it's a funny one theres there's so many elements of that period that are are so vivid and then there's others that are that have blurred i think a little bit honestly though there wasn't really a moment at any point where I thought it wasn't going to go our way (laughs) I don't know whether that's just extreme confidence or blind belief but um I can't I I can't necessarily recall a single moment throughout any of our games at all where I thought where I did I didn't think that we were in control and it, it wasn't going to go our
1: way that's interesting and I'm keen to get your retrospective view at least of whether that's your approach that's the way that you tend to work or whether it is informed by knowledge and that's one of the things that i i've felt in the pressure moments of seeing athletes i've supported and watching them perform and not being able to do anything so i'm got this i've got this flurry of of intensity of thought but then sometimes quite a bit of calmness i might be a, a good steadying force for a parent or another fan um, because I've got knowledge, because I think I know how this is going to go, because you've been there, done it with them, and you know the capacity that they have.
0: I think it's a mix of three... I think there's probably a mix of three different things for me. Number one, I'm an optimist. Anyway, <laughs> so the glass is always half full. Number two... um because of of the role that I do and because of the exceptional people that I have the opportunity of working alongside, everything is so well-planned and rehearsed. Um, And three, my viewpoint on those moments is that in an ideal world, your your job as a sports psychologist, and, and in fact, any member of a sports science medicine team, including coaching, is is to do everything that you can do to provide the best opportunity for success. And ultimately, looking through competition from a psychologist's lens, what you're just wanting to see is that players are able to execute their best and their game plan under pressure. And, you've re- and, and obviously... Winning is the dream and everybody that's involved in high performance sport wants to win. But you win by having a really good understanding of how. And so whenever I'm watching competitions of teams, athletes, individuals that I've had the opportunity to work with, I'm not, I'm watching it through the eyes of, are they producing what they intended to produce in this context and that to me is more important than a win or a loss
1: so it's not looking for some magical boost in performance it's are you delivering to what you expect to with a rational logic view on it
0: what you're capable of and there are some individuals and there are some teams that actually perform better when the pressure is really on but through working with people over time you understand that that's what they're capable of um and so then af- after that it's it's very different watching you 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 want with every being of your body to win and i don't think you'll ever that will that will ever be any different but i think you can put things into perspective a lot easier if you are able to execute a performance that you are happy with
1: and and in that sense of being able to view it as the performance as opposed to the result um does that better prepare people for if if it doesn't go their way if, if the result perhaps doesn't quite land
0: i think everybody's different aren't they i think everybody's different everybody's view of the world is different everybody looks through a slightly different lens everybody deals with success and failure differently and i don't think it's fair i don't think necessarily it's fair to say that um, being very process-oriented and focusing on performance makes it hurt any less or more, I think that that is f- more influenced by people's individual characteristics and, and the way in which they, they, they process their world.
1: So it was a blur for you? Were you calm? I mean, as the extra time started to c- continue and uh, getting closer to the final whistle and the goal goes in, does, how's how's your, your emotions go in that, in that uh, intensity?
0: I think it was as much as anything else a put an appreciation for watching um phenomenal women play world class football in a sold out stadium, and so there was so much involved in that it was obviously what was what was um what was being played what was happening on the pitch it was the environment it was everything to do with that day and actually the other the other matches through that competition as well it was the the euros tournament was bigger than all of us and and the FA talk about united the game and inspiring the nation and it was just a wonderful example of the power of sport creating. A environment and an opportunity for unbelievable women to play t- top-flight, world-class football in front of 90,000 people and inspire millions of people, not just back in, in the UK, but around the globe. So it was just a phenomenal thing to be part of. And then obviously I'm watching that through a psychological lens and are they managing the game? Are they in control? Are they self-regulating? Do, and And yes, to all of those things. And like I said, whether that was optimism whether it was confidence whether it was absolute faith in an unbelievable group of staff and players or a heady mix of all three there wasn't really a moment where I didn't feel that it, it wasn't going to go our way
1: mm. and and so perhaps between the games and across the tournament what's your sense of how useful an understanding of the external moment that that uh, united aspect of you know the country coming together and and realizing this is an incredible step change for the sport is that something you want to harness or is that something you want to regulate for the the players at all
0: it's a really interesting one and I remember when I first started out as a sports psychologist 20 odd years ago and I remember one of the the senior athletes that that was competing in the sport that I was working with saying that that they've missed some of the biggest and best competitions they've ever been involved in because they've just been so concentrated on themselves, their role, their job, their process. Um, And it's been a really, it's really interesting to speak to other people and hear different perspectives on this. There was a staff member at the FA that I spoke to recently that wasn't part of the immediate team, but is obviously part of the wider staff team and every single person that that the FA has been involved in in some way, shape or form this, this summer. It was a result of many, many people's hard work. And, and then reflecting on, oh, they feel bad for us that, that we missed all of the, the fanfare and the, the noise and excitement that was going on outside. And I find that a really interesting perspective because for me, I would never ever swap the, the position. And working as a sports psychologist, and being part of multidisciplinary teams for several several years now you do talk about the bubble and and you'll be familiar with this steve talking about the bubble of the olympic games the bubble of the euros it's exactly the same we we were very successful as a group of staff and players of creating a a bubble for want of a better word but a an environment that enabled us to focus on the day-to-day, to to stay relaxed, to work through our processes, to maintain our behaviours, regardless of proximity to matches and time in the tournament. And we were able to do that within the confines of our base camp and the facilities and the processes that we'd put in place. And I think for me, from a very personal point of view, the time when I was acutely aware of the excitement and the buzz... Was just being on the team bus pulling into the stadium for each of the games because that 's when you saw the seas of fans and supporters and um and the excitement and and and, and obviously of also being in in the stadium, but on the day to day we went about our business in the way that we go about our business. And people's behaviours and approach didn't change, regardless of where we were in the tournament or proximity to game. There was absolute consistency. It was a calm, safe, friendly, relaxed, professional environment.
1: It's a it's a strange one, isn't it? You want to keep things normal, but you want to harness the special feeling of that of that moment, and uh, and think about how how. Um... How valuable that is to someone's life experience, as much as anything, to soak it up rather than be blinkered from it.
0: Absolutely, but I think that it's also a really special experience, made up of lots of special moments, of being within a team in a major tournament and being around teammates and around staff, and everybody is well aware of of what we're in and what we're about and what what might what may be. You can never ever. Um, block that out and nor should you it's it's part as you said it's part of the process and it's part of the story um but but within that you do have a you do have a job to do and you want to create an opportunity to optimize your performance and give yourself the best opportunity for success and and I I strongly believe that comes from having real clarity on game plan principles of success markers of uh, principles of play markers of success but winning behaviors the the way that you go about your business and keeping some consistency around some of those things and and there is there is always opportunity to to enjoy and to enjoy the moments and and that's something that is encouraged and the interaction between the players and the fans at at the appropriate moment around games that that type of stuff is is something that they that they live that they relish that they thoroughly enjoyed. And when you when you hear the players speak and you you see some of the opportunities that they've had post a tournament, they are passionate people that absolutely love their sport and see the opportunity and the power of sport to inspire hundreds of thousands of people. And that they've utilized that opportunity and they've used this as a platform to be able to do that. Um, you know, the letter to the prime minister, the promotion of of sport in schools they are using their platform and they are using their voice because for some of those individuals particularly some of the the more senior of the team the opportunities when they were were youngsters are are not were not the same um and and I think many of them probably grew up dreaming about the opportunity of playing of sold out Wembley in front of 90,000 people. It's just, it, the summer was phenomenal for, for so, so many reasons.
1: For sure. And it, um, it has that sense of probably a tipping point feel to it that um, it's irrevocably you're going to be better as a consequence or it's going to be on a progressive, even more accelerated path. Could you, could you go back a few steps? And so um, I'm not quite sure how long it was before the final that you started with the team. But it wasn't long, was it? Um, What did you...
0: Um, I came came into post in um, October, Uh, October last year. So what's that, nine months, ten months before, yeah.
1: So what did you encounter? And do you have a sense of the sorts of things that you thought you might be working on or you might look look, looking to develop uh, versus also what you encountered and then being able to shift your focus based on, on what you see in front of you?
0: It's a really, it's a really interesting question. And for me, I started out predominantly working in individual sport. So I spent many years working with GB diving and the diving team, which is obviously a closed skill, um, a close skill sport. And I, and I did that for several years before I began working in team sport um, and when you go through your training and you go through your qualification process, it, you you don't necessarily know how to apply the knowledge that you've learned to every single scenario. And so the, the there was two things that were really um, obvious to me, going from diving then into professional rugby, which is a sport that I started to work in next, is a you're now in a not in a close skill sport and actually it decision making is a huge component of that and your performance does depend upon the interaction that you have with others um and number 2 when there's 50 people in a squad you're not going to get very far doing lots of individual one to one consultancy work so you have to think differently and you have to be able to work differently and we talk a lot about working systemically as a sports psychologist, but what does that actually mean? And what does that look like? And what does that, um, what, how does that show up on a day to day? And for me, I had to work differently within that environment. And the way that you um, you get performance gains is by working systemically and working through through and alongside coaching staff and. Um, getting sports psychology as much as possible onto the grass. And what I probably would say is that there's two things that have probably guided what I'm looking for when I start working with a team. And one is the opportunity to have worked with teams for some 10, 15 years now. And two is a big piece of work that we did at the English Institute of Sport post um, the Games in 2016, which was all around what does systemic sports psychology look like and how do, what is the framework for how you deliver sports psychology systemically at, um, in high performance sport? And so I've now got a framework that I work to. So regardless of, of any, any scenario that I'm, walk, I'm walking into, I'm sense checking where that team are on, on certain characteristics that I believe through both of those experiences to be really important. So whenever and and then the work that you do with the team depends upon where the team are and what they actually need but I believe that there are some critical success factors that that need to be in place so whenever I start with a new team I'm I'm assessing where is that team where is this environment in relation to what I believe through knowledge through experience through um working alongside some some very Uh, very extraordinary people, there are certain things that I'm looking at and and that's around, do we have a shared understanding of why we're here? Is everybody clear on the purpose? Do we really understand who is in the room? Um, Players and staff, what are people's personality characteristics? How do they respond to pressure? How do they show up? What are the the triggers? What are their responses? What do they value as individuals, as a group? Um, Do we have absolute clarity on our uh, style of play, our playing principles, our success factors, and do we have an environment that's conducive to high performance as well as promoting positive mental health? Do we have an environment that's psychologically safe? Do we um, apply appropriate challenge with support? Do we we, uh, set goals effectively? Do we debrief in relation to those goals? Do we provide people opportunities to make mistakes, to learn from them? So there's lots of different elements to that and i would say that the work that i've probably done across all the different teams that i've worked with has been different dependent upon what was actually needed in that environment at that moment in time
1: so it sounds as though there's there's aspects of dynamics that you're looking to develop from within the team the psychological norms the psychological safety that 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 sense of we need to be able to set this ourselves so that that there's Um, an agreement that we're all on the same page but then there's also it sounds as though there's aspects where um, there's some do's and don'ts do we set goals appropriately well perhaps we don't and so we need to intervene in that way we need to work on that as an example Um, does that then set the template as to whether you then need to provide any individual support if people quite aren't quite uh, aligned or thinking that way or does the the team-based focus do the majority of the lifting so that people are seeing what's going on in the room and that's developing their psyche
0: I think in in team sport you spend the vast majority of your time working at a team level um and working completely collaboratively with technical staff and with the players um to the point of it not being immediately obvious where sports psychology and, and everything else starts and stops because I don't see myself as the custodian to any of these things within the environment. I see my role as being able to provide a psychological lens and work facilitatively and collaboratively with staff and players to create an environment that all of us are responsible for. Um, and, there will always be one-to-one work within that because there will always be some element of individual needs. But the vast majority of time in team sport is spent focusing on team, um, and I, and I think you are right in terms of do's and don'ts, non-negotiables, whatever you call them. I I do think that the, that there are some that exist within that environment. I think there are certain behavioural standards that 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 people need to identify and be able to live to and then be able to provide a foundation from which people are able to hold each other to account um obviously in team sport effective communication is a non-negotiable both on and off the pitch but having an understanding of of who people are their values their their strengths their areas of development their pressure responses are really really important to be able to hold each other to account if you don't have connections off pitch it becomes more difficult to hold people to account on it so being able to create opportunities for people just to connect at a a deeper level is is really important Um, and certainly in team sport being able to recognize and celebrate uniqueness is really important I think sometimes difference can be misinterpreted as as weakness and, and ultimately we want to try to create environments where people are able to be themselves and be celebrated for, for being themselves and, and their their individual characteristics. Um so there's several things. D- does an environment need to be psychologically safe? There's there's different schools of thoughts about whether high performance sport can ever be psychologically safe. But I do believe that you can create environments where people are prepared to take risk. Um and that you can reinforce the importance of making mistakes as a as an opportunity to learn, etc. I think communication in an, in a team sport is 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 non negotiable. I think role clarity is non negotiable. I think that having really clear and unambiguous standards of behaviour is non negotiable. Having a a pro- process focus and a real understanding of how we play. Um, and our strategies for success is non-negotiable. I think people need to be able to be self-aware and be able to self-regulate. I think you need to be able to get psychology on the grass. They're, they're all things that I, that I would consider, the, the how, if you like, and I, and I think they are non-negotiable. Um, and I, I work simply, as you know, Steve, I think my, my framework is relatively simple. It's about, it's why, who and how. Do we all know why we're here? Do we all know who we are, each ourselves and each other? And do we all understand how we play and how we and how to win? And and I think that's probably the piece that is. It's a mix of if working systemically and working on an individual level. But in team sport, the systemic stuff is is probably the the greater piece.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just listening to that, just smiling, thinking that people mustn't confuse simplicity with easy. Um, to dig down to who people are that's that's a difficult thing to do a lot of the time and sometimes some people don't want to do that Um, to explore why um, a lot of these have emotion as opposed to just an off-the-shelf program that you can do and follow this stepwise process and your psychology is upgraded Um, this is digging much deeper isn't it really
0: I actually think that that's part of the challenge sometimes of being able to articulate something in a way in which it sticks and makes sense. And I think that that's, that's probably what that, that framework does. I think I can articulate to others what my approach looks like to working systemically as a sports psychologist in team, in team sport. That doesn't mean that it isn't complex and there aren't a lot of um, different elements to that that underpin that, as you've rightly said. I also think that that is part of the magic of good coaching is being able to articulate clearly principles of play and in a way that everybody can understand it and everybody's clear on what their role is. But there still is a huge amount of autonomy and decision making that needs to take place within that. The personal that people need to take personal responsibility. It's about the ability to take something quite complex, but be able to articulate it and enable it to land in a way that makes sense.
1: So, a couple of things that you said there, Kate. I'm just interested to get your your thoughts on one. One about um, a big piece of work that you'd you'd undertaken post Rio at the English Institute of Sport, um, but also I'd like to ask you about that idea of uniqueness as well, if I can. So that, that systemic work, um, did that come from, uh, what I mean, um, understand, I'm almost um, guessing here, is that came from you thinking, we don't maybe do this as well as we could do. And maybe there's an element of, for a lot of people, when they've got sports psychologists on a team, pro team or um olympic team that that maybe it's behind closed doors one-to-one as opposed to active in the training environment in the performance environment and and inherent to the relationships the dynamics that people should be managing and supporting and nudging along as a team am i hearing that am i hearing that right at all
0: yeah, I think that the discipline has evolved exponentially since where, since I qualified in 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 2003 and and you know many people before me. I think it's fair to say at around that time sports psychology in in lots of um in lots of corners was considered as a bit of a problem-solving service. If there's an issue then you go and seek you go and seek out the services of a psych. Um and I think it's also fair to say that that made it seem quite threatening at times to coaches for example um, who maybe then weren't always involved in that process and I think that the service has evolved to become a much more proactive service and it is whether, it's, whether it was always that and there was a perception piece around that, I think that's part of it. But certainly the perception has shifted and certainly within Olympic, Paralympic sport, that sports psychology is a proactive performance enhancing service um, that has the propensity or the capacity to work systemically um, and focus as much on the cultural environment as the individual skills of those operating within it. So I do think there's been a shift. I think there's been a shift in how the job is done, the the remit of sports psychologists and also the perception of it.
1: Am I hearing then that for a sports psychologist, it's not so much the head down, uh, individual rapport, relationship and psychology 101. That when you're talking about culture, when you're talking about influencing coaches, when you're talking about leadership and and strategy, why are we doing this? Where are we going? Am I hearing then for a sports psychologist, there's probably a greater requirement going forward for leadership skill themselves?
0: Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, and, and I think that the, a sports psychologist can operate at many different levels of, um, of a sporting system. I think you have the, the one-to-one type work, which there will always be a need and a requirement for. I think there's a piece around competition support and and what that looks like. I think there's a piece around dynamics, relationships between people within a sporting system, whether that's athlete, 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 coach, etc. Um, and then there is there is a systemic cultural work that is looking at the environment. And then there's a piece around how do you actually facilitate the development of psychological skills in and within training and I think that's also really fundamental so I think there's lots of different areas and elements in which sports psychologists may focus their attention or areas where they may spend their time partly I think that's dependent upon the competence of the practitioner and partly I think it's dependent upon the readiness of the sport um, for how they want to use psychology and, and how they want to to work
1: so Kate I'm I'm interested to get your thoughts because you mentioned there about uniqueness. So I'm keen to get your thoughts about how you could, would go about supporting people to for the team's benefit if maybe they're a bit of a maverick, a bit of a renegade, they they perhaps don't necessarily conform with the team's needs and how you go about supporting them perhaps sometimes when those people have got some special skill or they've got an outstanding match winning ability but they can fall against like what the team needs sometimes
0: i think there's a piece around and this is where this is obviously where team sport is interesting isn't it because of the dynamics of people within um in all the teams that I've worked with there's been a very strong team first mentality Um, and I think that it is the responsibility of everybody within that environment to have a really good understanding of of who is in the room and an understanding of those individuals and how they operate and potentially why they operate in the way that they do and we are we are always trying to identify what are the super strengths of each individual staff and players what do they bring and how do we create an environment that gives them the best opportunity to bring their strengths Um, and i think that that's a really important piece of work but that goes hand in hand with an equally piece of important work around having very clear and unambiguous standards of behaviors and expectations of everybody within that environment um and I think that when that work is done well and when it is led from within and when it, it is when people are happy um the uh, people feel able to take risks, to make mistakes, to get it wrong sometimes, but to be able to learn from that. They're clear in what's expected of them. It gives a foundation for people to be able to hold each other to account and have an open and honest conversations at times around what is helpful and what is not in terms of the performance of a team. Um, And maybe it's just luck, but I can't think of a scenario in the teams I've worked with where somebody has had to leave a team or has not been appropriate within an environment because of of behavior I think that people are different and I think we should be embracing cognitive diversity and I think we should be developing our skills and our um, opportunity to look at the world through multiple different lenses and um, does that make management management of a team more difficult at times yes but ultimately I believe that the evolution of that team and the ability to to move beyond current capability is is probably greater.
1: Mm. Yeah, here, here. I think it, in that sense of conformity is not a, an ambition. It's um, it's actually can dilute performance in, in that sense. If you, it puts the onus on, like you say, the management and leadership skills to get the best out of the the unit parts.
0: I think it's being realistic as well about standards that are being set. Because I think you can have non-negotiables in terms of principles of play and and what is being executed on field. And I think you can have non-negotiables in terms of what's expected off field. But they need to be realistic and they need to be um, team generated and thoroughly discussed. Because what you don't want to do is to create environment that somebody has to police. And there are so many rules and regulations that it just becomes untenable. So I think the question is, what is actually going to make the difference? What are the things that are non-negotiable that we believe are non-negotiable that are actually going to get in the way of of us being successful? And they're the things to go after. And it, it you know, again, it's a, it's, it's, it's having an understanding of what are we doing currently that's really working for us that we can't afford to lose. What are we not doing that's not working for us and that we we need to rectify immediately? Um, And, and, and keeping, keeping those conversations going and keeping that updated as you move through, we had very well defined, what we called winning behaviours that we, that were generated from, from the players and from the staff as a self reflection in terms of where the team were at currently and what they believed needed to happen in order for them to give themselves the best opportunities for success. And that's discussed in detail, but like anything, there's a difference between words on a wall and things actually being lived on a day to day isn't there and And I think the the proof of the the pudding is are the things that have been discussed actually being lived and I can honestly say certainly through the summer and certainly through that phenomenal team of players and and staff group, the behaviours were being lived on a day to day and were evident in everything that 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 went on, whether that was on the field or off the field. I think it's probably the best example of people actually living by the standards that they identified as being important and being conducive to success.
1: It's super interesting to chat to you, Kate, and I'm, um, I'm also keen to ask you maybe just one last question about, you've spent your career supporting and developing other people, developing cultures, developing systems, um, and for you, I'm intrigued to see and, and hear about how you keep growing and developing as a, as a person too.
0: Um, I actually think I've been incredibly privileged to have worked in many environments with exceptional people and there isn't a single job that I've done where I haven't learned as much as I would hope that people have have picked something up from me. Um, I've had the Absolute privilege of working with a multitude of different coaches that have been exceptional at at what they do, and science and medicine support staff and players. And in every single environment that I've had the opportunity to work in, I've learned a huge amount from the people that I've had the privilege of being able to operate with on a day-to-day. And partly that is to do with the cognitive diversity piece that we that we spoke about. Different people think about the world in different ways and look through different lenses. And there's always an opportunity to pick something up and learn from that. Um, and then I think it's fair to say that being part of the English Institute of Sport and the team there was absolutely fundamental to, to my growth as a practitioner. It's very difficult not to develop when you're surrounded by a team of 20 or 9, 30 other people in the in the same career that are doing the same job. And you have a great opportunity to use each other as a logical sounding board to share ideas, to observe practice, to collaborate, to work together. I think just being in the UK sport high performance system has enabled me to, to develop and to grow and to evolve and then and equally hopefully shape the, the practice that goes on in, in a lot of the areas of, of, of our country too.
1: One one of my memories of working with you and spending time in meeting rooms was that you'd always come up with this phrase, or we'd we'd hit a dynamic, and you'd go, that's interesting because, oh, that's interesting, and and, and you'd you'd explore it. And that curiosity just sounds as though you are sort of trying to unpick and understand what is happening as opposed to maybe putting up the barriers or feeling threatened by it. So that was one of my enduring memories of of working with you. I
0: think, well, it's probably difficult to manage at times, Steve, as well, but I think that (laughs) I think that's why I went into psychology. Yeah, okay. I just love it. I absolutely love psychology, and I think people go into psychology for different reasons. I think people have either have done sport and exercise science and kind of found psychology, and, and then it's been something that they've that they've been interested in, or there's people that have just gone as just sort psychology and then it end up moving into sport. I just find the human brain and human behaviour absolutely fascinating, and I always have done, and it's it, ever since being it, being younger. Like I read books around, you know, forensic psychology, and I, I, I find it fascinating that why people would behave or think or act in a certain way. Um. So that curiosity piece is just it. It's just I think something that's quite inherent in me. Uh, yeah, I'm a bit of an observer. I like to. I like what, looking at what's going on, and then there's always this internal narrative of, oh, that's interesting. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, well, that, that, yeah, but well, I, I think that's uh, a healthy mindset for for anybody really of, of rather than thinking I know what's happening here or I know what the solution is to be stepping back and, and getting perspective and observing that mindfulness.
0: There's just there's a, there's always a there's always a reason for everything isn't it? And I know this this is a phrase that used quite often in 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 psychology about all behavior is understandable
1: in context. So to be thinking about the driver behind a behavior as opposed to
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And we don't always have access to everybody's context, which is why I think curiosity around around other people is, is so important.
1: Listen, lovely talking to you. Amazing to hear your your insights uh, and power to you, power to you and the team uh, for what you have created and supported to, to happen last summer. And um, yeah, amazing to, to see the successes.
0: Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for inviting me on, uh, Steve. It's been really nice to catch up with you and see your face after all these years.
1: (laughs) Brilliant. Thanks, Kate.
0: Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I really hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Now, we've got plenty more to come. So if you'd like to support and champion us, then take the time to subscribe and leave a review on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever you tune in. You can also give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. All the links are in the show notes. So in the meantime, have a great week.